0: Welcome to the RC report. After much travail, I have Matt Wallman with me of Rookie the, the Rookie Scout Portfolio. But first of all, you can check out all of our content at EconoclassicallyBombastic.com, better known as IBN, and you can follow me on Facebook at Econobomb. Matt, how
1: are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, RC? <laughs> I'm
0: great. We've had quite the background story, which we won't share, of getting this thing up. Um, but I am good. I'm a little flustered, but I am good. Let's let's talk about the quarterbacks today. And what's your general view of this quarterback class?
1: I think my general view of this one is I, I tend to take a philosophy that quarterback needs a little bit more time to develop than what the nfl wants to give them um, and i think that they really still haven't caught up with the fact that all these changes with free agency back in the nineties has really kind of bit them in terms of really giving a guy three to four or five years to develop because when you think about quarterback play um, you don't need to be the best athlete in the world to be a good quarterback it's you you have to have a certain level of athleticism but you also have to master the mental components of the game and that comes with a lot of reps it comes with some um, bad moments and overcoming those bad moments and it comes with study and experience and you develop that savvy over a period of time and it's and most great quarterbacks have talked about that when they hit about 27 to about 31 that's the time when they are really at a uh, you know they're really at their peak in terms of how they see the game and their athletic ability is still at a high level and they're able to put together both so when I look at this class I think there are a lot of guys who if they were in an environment where they could have three to four years to, to kinda of take their lumps and to to have some a team that was actually patient with them you would see some decent starters come out of this class instead what we're probably gonna see is that same old impatient type of system that's out there and that means that there's gonna be about three guys maybe four who are gonna get thrown into the fire within the first year or two and maybe one maybe two actually swim while the others sink um, and people say they weren't as good as we thought and then maybe one or two out of that middle group that I think is very intriguing this year might come out of it by accident Uh, in terms of how the NFL meant to do things. You know, to me, a good example is Robert Griffin and Kirk Cousins. Robert Griffin should have been a star. Robert Griffin, the way that his, his development plan took place, ruined him, at least in Washington. Kirk Cousins, because he got to start a little bit, got benched for a little bit. No one had huge expectations for him. They let him develop a little bit more. Now you're seeing a guy who's actually starting to come into his own enough that he looks like a borderline starter in this league, at least down the down the stretch of this past season. And I think that if Griffin was afforded the same type of development timeline, um, which was very similar to what they did with Drew Brees in San Diego, you, you might actually get more players who could develop down the line at the quarterback position, but the NFL isn't built that's, that way. That's right interesting.
0: Now. Yeah. You seem like a, 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 let them sit guy. And there's a let them start guy. I'm a let them sit guy too. Cause it just makes this so much different. And now it seems that not that it doesn't seem college game has changed so drastically that there's a wider chasm between the NFL and colleges than there was in the nineties.
1: Absolutely. And that's the thing is that I'm okay with, you know, look, if there's a guy that says, look, I'm ready to go and, you throw the guy in there and he and he he does well james winston to me was a guy you could throw in there and let him handle it because you knew if you watched james winston's tape at florida state what you knew about him is that he's the type of guy that could kick the gas can over and set his offensive line on fire and set his receivers on fire <laughs> and 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 look horrible for a for a half and then the second half he figures out a way to basically set the defense on fire and and play through it he's resilient yeah. emotionally mentally. evaluation <laughs> you know last yeah. year that was such a weird evaluation it was because he would
0: look like crap for so long and then you would then you would see him going through like three progressions stay in the pocket get hit and deliver like a 30-yard pass it, yeah. it really was a weird a weird evaluation
1: but you knew the and thing we saw a lot of that this year. yeah absolutely but you see that he had it here that it was like okay mistakes aren't going to bother me I am supremely confident that I know that things are going to work out and that I can learn from my mistakes and that, yeah, I'm going to make a couple of mistakes a game. I'm going to play through that. And I think that there are a lot of players who end up either pressing too hard or they or they kind of go into a shell if they do that too often, especially early on. And uh, there are very few players who have that kind of bravado, have that kind of internal confidence to be able to do that. Early on, And I think at the same time, teams shouldn't expect that from a player. What they should expect is, okay, if we give these guys three to four years, I'll Drew Brees, Drew Brees talks about how Marty Schottenheimer developed them. It wasn't Sean Payton. He said Schottenheimer would bench me and say, look, you're my guy still. If you made a couple mistakes here, I want you to watch the rest of this game while we put Flutie in or whoever they had in at the time. And in the fourth quarter, if we're close, you're my guy. I'm putting you back in to give you that experience. You know, and it was those types of things rather than going, well, he wasn't good. Now we're going to bench him for about three or four games and he's going to have to work his way back to being what he was. And, but there's really no guidance, confidence, long-term plan. And I think that that's, what's missing yeah. with today's league, you know, because like you said, it, there's a, a broader chasm in a lot of regards, even though they're incorporating more concepts, but at the same time, there's also, uh, you, you know, you're talking about the complexity of the game goes a lot is a lot higher and that means the mental ability to process what's going on in the field. It takes time. This is just the, it is the most complex position in sports. And it's one of the most complex to evaluate because there's so many moving parts with it. And it requires not just the physical ability, the technical ability, but also the strategic, the leadership, the resilience, the emotional toughness. These are all things that, that go into an evaluation. And it's not just about can you throw football.
0: Yeah, there is so much more. Let's get to the actual draftees. And I'm tempted to go into a philosophical uh, discussion with you about quarterback play. Carson Wentz, obviously North Dakota state, what do you, or how do you incorporate where a player plays if they're playing for a small school?
1: Um, I think for me, what really matters is behaviors of what I see on the field. Um, And and projecting that based on what I watch and study as a standard in the NFL. I watch a lot of NFL tape, and I try and make sure that what I evaluate is based on um, you know, an NFL standard. So when I look at Carson Wentz, if he's throwing a ball um, into a tight window, then – you know it's easy to be able to project that if he's throwing the ball into a wide open area but the timing is good enough that it could fit into a tight window then to me that that fits the NFL standard if he's able, if he's using the techniques that you would a- ask a quarterback to use to avoid pressure and you see him being able to avoid it within you know a certain number of steps or with a certain level of crispness in which he does it then it's projectable to what he's going to face against defensive end in the nfl um so to me it's kind of a mix of the behaviors that he's showing on the field and then matching that with kind of what i expect in terms of you know kind of taking a template of what i see in terms of coverage in terms of pass rush and trying to project that and apply that to what i'm seeing on the field so if it means that a that a defensive end probably would have been there two steps sooner if he was in the nfl then that's how I would, you know, I'm going to apply that to what I see on his current tape. So when you do watch his tape, what do you see? I see a guy who, I see a guy who learns from his mistakes, which I, I really like. Um, when you see a player who is capable of having a bad mistake in a big game, and then the next series come back and avoid that mistake, and then make a big play, the play after that. And to be able to win a game, that tells me that mentally this guy's a student of the game, that he's got some resilience and he thinks on his feet. He's certainly a flexible athlete. I like how he runs in the open field. He's strong. He's well-balanced. He's got some agility to him. He's got some decent speed. So someone's going to be able to execute different types of um, run-oriented offenses in terms of what as a quarterback. You can do the read option with them. You can yeah, do play option.
0: Go ahead. They used him a little bit with the running like like Cam. Like I'm not comparing him to Cam, but within the North Dakota State offense, they used him as a runner. And, they, and that was surprising to me when I watched him.
1: Yeah, you absolutely could. He's a strong guy with good balance, and he's pretty quick. So you could use him that way. You can use him in the play-action game and more of a West Coast-oriented offense, and he's very good in the quick-passing game. Um, So, you know, on rollouts, um, bootlegs, those type, short drops, I think he can be very good right away in terms of when I say really good, I'll say he can be competent in the NFL right away as a starter in that aspect of the offense. Um, I think his deep game needs some work. He's a player that he can throw the ball far. He can throw the ball with velocity, um, but he also has to show a little bit better anticipation on his deeper routes. Right now, a lot of the routes that he throws, he tends to force his receiver to work for the ball more than he should um so it's something that when you're looking at him being aggressive and testing the defense or making the defense pay for how they stack up at the line of scrimmage in response to what he does in the short game he's not able to make them pay as consistently as he may be able to down the line with a little bit more work and i also think he has to get a little bit more fluid with his feet what's very important is the is really the mind the eyes and the feet and how they're aligned Um, And you can see that with how fluid a player's footwork is. And one issue, you know, on one end of the spectrum, you can look at players and if their feet are very jumpy and jittery um, and they don't move in control. And I'm not talking like Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning had controlled feet. They just look jittery. He's like someone who who may have, you know, if they are speaking, they're kind of like me. They might they might stutter or stammer a little bit here and there, say, um, or, uh. But yeah. at the same time, it's they're totally giving, in control. Yeah. you can still understand what they're saying. And that's what Peyton Manning was kind of like as a player. He wasn't all over the place. But on the other end is you have players who have kind of concrete feet, who that they see something happening in front of them and their feet get stuck in place. And then when they try to throw, they haven't adjusted their feet to what they see and the, and the accuracy the pass suffers, and that's something that you see with Wentz when he has to move from one progression to the next and make that throw. So some of the finer points of accuracy in the short and intermediate game because of those types of movements suffer, as well as him getting better at his deep ball placement, these are areas that I think just from a mechanical standpoint are going to have to improve right away regardless of what he sees and how well he sees it.
0: Point, I saw a staff on pro football focus college. Uh, he's only on um, passes of 20 yards or more 37.5 completion percentage 81st in the nation. So the data backs up what you're saying. I want to get into a philosophical uh, thing with Lynch versus Wentz. I see a lot of the, the scouting reports I read and the people I read, they'll say, oh Paxton Lynch has the higher upside. And I noticed this trend of the bigger, stronger Cardell Jones. They said it about too Cardell Jones um, the bigger, stronger athlete being given the upside moniker, where I feel like upside for a quarterback is entirely different. Whereas Jamarcus Russell was seen to have upside because they can just throw the ball seventy yards. Any quarterbacking skill? Does it make sense what I'm saying? And maybe yeah. you could address it. What you think, think of
1: that issue? I, I think it makes perfect sense, and I think that that's just the that's the common mistake that I think that we make when we look at athletics because. We think of athlete, we apply the physical to the athletics as opposed to the mental. And because it's easier to look at the physical than it is to examine um, the mental processing, the work ethic, the resiliency. Um, And that's why people didn't want to just didn't even want to look at Russell Wilson for a while. I mean, I was a big Russell Wilson fan. And I think, the you know, they looked at Wilson and they they couldn't get past the height. That was all it was, is they couldn't get past certain physical aspects of his game. But we have examples over and over and over again of players who were not big enough, not tall enough, didn't throw the ball hard enough, but they they used the mental aspects of the game because, again, anticipation is important. Reading a play pre-snap and post-snap is important. Being able to understand, um, being able to make accurate throws over and over again within the range that you're comfortable with and what the offense is matched to with that player is important, especially after you get hit three or four times. Um, It doesn't matter if you can throw a ball through a brick wall. If you throw a ball through a brick wall and – you know, you're in a situation where you get hit in the mouth a few times and now you can't make a good decision. doesn't matter how important what your arm is, there's a, a minimum level of arm strength. Exactly. There. So to me, it's about the yeah, min- physical stuff is the minimum.
0: Arm talent is a much better description than arm strength because it's just there's so many different kind of throws and so many dynamics and arm angles and things with the quarterback position. But we'll never get through if I keep I'm so tempted to just go into a, a quarterback uh, discussion with you. Uh, Jared Goff, I'm going to read uh, just my notes on him when I was uh, watching him and then you can just respond. Quick feet, quick eyes, quick release. He's He'll, stay, he'll hang in a pocket, good pocket presence. He uh, doesn't have a huge arm. They talked about the hands that have been much hood about his hand. He'll force the ball. For me, the best, I still like that, Ryan, is there just several throws – not several. There are two, three, four, sometimes five throws a game that he should just make that he doesn't. And the short to intermediate accuracy sometimes suffers. I'll, I'll see a, somebody on a slant, he'll just throw it a little bit behind him. thing that separates – and I think that ultimately being a good – Average, depending on how you look at it, to great, and then with with golf, I feel like there's just instances and in these things he misses with the accuracy that's not consistent enough to be a next level quarterback.
1: Okay, I would say I would counter it with this. I would say that while he may not have the velocity that uh, that a Carson Wentz or a Cardale Jones or even a um, Paxton Lynch has on some of these deeper arm throws. Um, I just watched Goff today throw a 57-yard bomb and stride at Air Force, another 51-yarder versus USC, another 60-yard throw. I'm talking from the pitch point um, at San Diego State yeah. um, in the half. Then I watched him off-platform where he didn't have his feet under him, go 44 yards mm-hmm. off his back foot up the seam in tight coverage against Air Force, and then another 40-yard throw that kind of against Utah. Then, against, then from the opposite hash – when we're talking about those are the big money throws watched him you know left rash left hash to right on the sideline 38 yards to air force 34 yards later in the half in the same game and then 48 from the opposite hash in the third quarter against usc in the third quarter so i look at those and i say does he have is he going to always put it on a line where you take opposite hash throws that are you know, some of those deep outs, 20, 25, Big Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton throws, probably not. He's close enough, though, that he does have enough of that that he can widen the field in a way that you can still say, that's pretty nice to have. Now, the accuracy to me, a lot of the accuracy issues I've seen with him have been about, him trying to challenge a defense in ways that are too risky and being too confident in what he sees. He's a very anticipatory Mm -hmm. quarterback. And so one of the things that I often see is that he will try to drop it between a cover two. He'll try to drop it um, around, you know, either inside outside or over a shallow coverage defender who's peeling off his coverage and trying to get to the, Get a little deeper on his drop off of the receiver because he knows. Golf so you feel like it's more
0: decision making. Yes. More decision making, the accuracy for you.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think I think okay. he, uh, he, uh, uh,
0: But I add on it. But the short, the short to intermediate thing is something that I've noticed. Maybe I'm exaggerating because he throws so many. I mean, he throws the ball around the yard a lot. Um, but I, I do it reminded me of Matt Ryan, where if you you put the right weapons around him, he's going to run your offense competently, and he's going to give you this floor. And if you put the right stuff around him, he, he he's the point guard. And I think that's appealing to me because a lot of quarterbacks can't do that.
1: Yeah, I would would say that's a very good descriptor. I would say golf has a better arm than Matt Ryan. As a guy who lives in the Atlanta area and and watches a lot of Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan cannot (laughs) throw an accurate ball over 45 yards. That's where it gets shaky, but you put Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, like you said, you put good players around Matt Ryan and he is more than good enough to help a team go deep into the playoffs and, and actually help the team win those games. And I think that golf for me is a guy who's just a little too confident in what he can do with his anticipation and his arm. And I, and he, like you said, excellent pocket presence. I think that he understands what he sees in a defense. And sometimes he can be a little too quick or a little too confident in what he does. I, I like the drew Brees descriptor in terms of how some people talk about him because Brees doesn't have that plus arm like Roethlisberger or Cam Newton, but he has he has one of the best deep balls in the game, and I think that um, yeah matches up maybe a little bit more in that regard. Except for the fact that he has doesn't have Breeze's ability to run outside and be as athletic on the outside as Breeze's.
0: Uh, what's your take on Paxton Lynch? He's been most basically the the main take from what people say, and from what I've seen too, is he's just inconsistent. But what's your take on him?
1: I don't think he knows how to manage a game yet, and I think that that's probably part of the, the, the problem that he has is he he oftentimes doesn't know when to let the ball go in the red zone. He he takes a little too long sometimes in situations where he needs to be a little quicker, um, and then there are situations where he's too quick to make decisions between the 20s where he needs to be a little bit more patient. So for him, it's a matter of really what's going on in the mind and being exposed to different offensive skills schemes that are better fits for what he does with his arm strength, with his ability to move, um, his ability to stay in the pocket, really, and deliver the ball, you know, all over the field. So, again, yes, there's a lot of potential for him. He's a – to me, I have golf pretty much in my top tier right now. Lynch, to me, is probably closer to guys that, you know, I, I – I, Paxton Lynch is a guy that some teams going to want to draft in the first round because of the way that the, the, the state of the NFL is, but he ideally he should be a second or third round pick. In my opinion, I think he's a guy that could develop into a decent starter, maybe even a really good one. Um, he has flashes of, of, of really seeing the field and placing the ball in great spots, but he also has flashes or a lot of plays where he just doesn't really understand when, how, and why to do that.
0: And can you talk about the adjustment from the offense that he'll play, that he played in college, to the ideally what he'd probably
1: play in the NFL? Yeah, I mean – lot a have...
0: lot of short, a lot of quick reads –
1: yeah, yeah, you're right. A lot of quick reads, a lot of read option. He is he's somewhat mobile and he's big, but he shouldn't I don't think he's the guy you want running the read option. I think he's the guy you want maybe <laughs> running some play action, maybe running some boots, but not with the design of him Really running the ball and being a threat, I, I think that those are things you can do. But if you have him doing that two or three times a game to do something to confuse a defense, fine. If you're doing that, you know, thirty out of sixty plays in a game, then I don't think yeah, you have to be right foundational passer. thing. Yeah, you want him. You want. I think it's kind of a me,
0: Portals can move. Yeah, portals can move, but that's not something you hang your hat on.
1: No, not at all. You know, to me, it's like. Paxton Lynch to me is more of Flacco elements to his game than you know than anything. Yeah. Big arm, big guy who can move, but you're not gonna ask him to you're not gonna ask him to be that eleven on eleven you know key that turns the defense into a situation where they have to to you know put a spy over him because no defense is gonna spy him.
0: No. Christian Hackenberg is one of the players in the draft some people are really hanging on that first year and you have Bill O'Brien. But to me, and this is a debate that seems to always happen when, when there's poor line play, because I believe that poor line play can ruin the quarterback to some degree. And they see ghosts and they, they're too jumpy. And so it's a chicken or the egg thing. But I've seen so many plays on tape where he had a clean pocket and he just simply missed the throw.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he's a he's a good physical specimen. And you what you hope is that somebody will be patient with him and let him learn and let him um, re I, I guess you would say reestablish some of those connections between the mental and the physical um, so that he can become have a fighting chance of becoming a good football player in the NFL. To me, I mean, yeah, you love the, the arm strength's Great you know it's it's maybe not great NFL standards but it's it's very good NFL um quality arm strength he you can see him moving and doing well and throwing well on the move he's someone that oftentimes can elude players and um defenders in the pocket and still get the ball off but again much like Paxton Lynch but i would say even to a greater degree the, the physical-mental connection of what's going on defensively is not there. The ability to throw the ball accurately on a consistent basis isn't there. And, and much of that has to do with just developing a base set of skills and understanding, one, your limitations, two, being able to do certain things physically on a consistent basis, and, and just being able to recognize what's going on on the field and and being able to be know when you're supposed to speed up your process and when you're supposed to slow it down. And I think that he, again, he doesn't do that very well. But I have seen him learn from his mistakes in the same game. There's a really nice game that I have on my blog showing him on a couple of plays in the red zone against Michigan State where he has one play where he tries to throw a laser in there and it's it wasn't the right call and another where he shows more patience and and gives the receiver room to just run under the ball with a touch pass and he can do those things. It's just again, all the physical traits are there, what you're looking for is up here and that's the more mysterious part to develop which makes him a riskier prospect.
0: Before we go, we'll go to Connor Cook if you're listening to this. We'll go to Connor Cook next, but first Plug your stuff. Uh, I didn't. I wanted to give you the opportunity to do that. You've got some great publications. Your website is great. I love the film room session. I before I started podcasting, I kind of took a break. But last year, but I used to watch last draft. I watched your film room session. Everybody, all about everything you have to offer, sir. Well,
1: I appreciate it very much. Um, my, you can find my blog at um, www and there, you, you know, I post up. Uh, pretty much everything that I do. You can find the RSP film room on YouTube as well as on that blog. And it's a, it's generally a 60 minute show where I have guests on and we watch tape of one prospect and discuss things with them. Oftentimes they are either writers, former football players or um, consultants or coaches um, who we get a chance to review players of all positions. Um, there's my boiler room, which is also a video a kind of a combination of video and post writing where I do, five to 10 minute videos that break down a play or two of a prospect. And then there's my publication. My publication comes out every year, April 1st, since 2006, it is literally over a thousand pages in length and covers about 170 prospects (laughs) at um, quarterback, running back wide receiver and tight end. And it is, you know, it's really a 250 page magazine that's on PDF that gives you rankings, profiles, profiles, Um, Lots of different analysis that shows my process for how I evaluate them. And then I back all that information up with showing you all my play-by-play reports, my glossary of terms in terms of how I evaluate. And you can see really how I go about all of that using what I would call best practice process um, monitoring for um, evaluating human performance, something I learned in a previous career. And you've been doing this for over a decade, right? I've been doing this. This is my 12th year. You've been doing this for over a decade? Yeah, absolutely. And 10% of wow. and, and I get to sale. I, I do two things. I do a pre-draft and a post-draft. The pre-drafts very draft Nick oriented as well as fantasy football oriented. But it's more if you're a football purist, you'll enjoy that. If you're a fantasy football owner and looking for your dynasty league or for your redraft leagues, I do a post-draft version that comes with the publication. It just comes out in May. Um, for the same price, it's all together one package, and you get rankings and tiered tier cheat sheets and more analysis based on where these guys went. Um, and that comes out a week after after the draft, and that's all that's all that goes together. And ten percent of each purpose uh, purchase, I donate to Darkness to Light, which is an organization that helps protect and. Um, children and help train people on how to address and avoid um, sexual abuse in their communities. So that that's that's what a lot of we have going on. What's the price? I don't think you said price. Oh, the price. Price is 1995. Um, so you get so you get two publications for the price of 1995. And ask around. Just go on Twitter, uh,
0: folks. It's one of the smartest. Oh, go ahead, folks. No, go this ahead. is one of the smartest people that I follow on Twitter, especially concerning draft. I'm not just blowing smoke up your butt, that is legit. That's why I try to get people like this on the podcast. So go out and get it. Uh, Connor Cook, let me give you my notes on him and you can respond. Uh, for the upside, he's prototypical pro style quarterback, playing pro style system. Got a lot of wins at Michigan State, operates around the center, sees feel well, good on timing patterns and deep throws, willing to throw his receivers open. Uh, he's got some accuracy issues on the downside. On strength is average. Uh, he kind of does that thing where you were saying where his his feet don't match with uh, where he's going with his mind or his head. Uh, he's got, kind of got that going. And then there have been some there have been some leadership issues that have been questioned. I don't know if you're Costellian where you don't comment on any of that kind of stuff, but that's also in there when you're not named the captain and you've been a three year starter. You've got to think about
1: that too. But that's my deal on Connor Cook. What what are your thoughts? Well, certainly uh, we'll say from the upside and what we see on the field is that. He's got the guts of a burglar. I like the fact that he's someone who will, he he knows what his, he knows what he can do with pinpoint accuracy. And he has not afraid to target his players in tight coverage down the field within 25, 30 yards. And he shows a lot of nice plays where he can drop the ball in the bucket, where he can hit the back shoulder fade, or he can find his receiver one-on-one and let his guy make the play. I love that about Connor cook. I like that when it's a, when it's a set play and he's able to drop back and stick that drop and let the ball go on rhythm, he's very good with that. But ask him to move around, have to make adjustments when structure goes out the window, and like you said, the yeah, the improvisation isn't all that great. It's too easy. It's too
0: easy to make this comparison, but it's true. It's Kirk Cousins. When Kirk Cousins has a clean pocket and everything's on schedule, he's great. But when that eye level drops and things, that first read's not there, and he's not as comfortable to go to the second, he's kind of a, I call these guys like one and a half read guys, where they yeah. hit the first read and they go to the second and they're just like, ah, I don't know what to do. So, yeah, I, I definitely do.
1: No, I absolutely agree with you. And they're that. hard
0: to evaluate because sometimes they look so good. Yeah. They look so good sometimes. And then you'll see a play where, like, what?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's part of it is that you have to be able to, you have to be able to honor the fact that quarterbacks are going to have to play inside and outside structure. And, and you have to be able to evaluate on them on both levels, how well they do it, because if they don't do, they have to be at least reasonably good at both. Um, And if they're really failing in one of those areas, then, forget it. No matter how good they look in, you know, in structure, if they don't look good at all outside of structure, they're going to, that's going to be a problem. Cook, I think has enough potential to develop into a borderline starter. If he can shore up some of these issues. I did ask around um, in the league, with some people who are affiliated with teams about the, the Connor cook issues um, just because I was curious if any of that bled onto the field, I don't care if the guy goes out drinking. I don't care if the guy did a little drugs. I don't care about some of those things that if he got arrested once, those are things that are there, you know, from maybe a moral parent standpoint, I might like or dislike about a, you know, about certain things.
0: Yeah. But
1: yeah, exactly. These guys are these guys are eighteen to twenty three years old. You're going to make mistakes. I've hired enough people in my lifetime who have done far worse than some of these guys get denigrated for, and they end up being great in their careers and they change their lives and they mature. So I'm not a big guy on that. But from a leadership end, you know, to me, you know, those are things that I wonder about. So I asked around, and I was told that the off field stuff is a non concern, um, but. The leadership stuff does have some legs, and it is something worth monitoring, but it's not a knockout factor. That's what I'm hearing is that it's not a knockout issue. It might be more an immaturity thing that that may develop over – he may be able to develop and get more mature and grow up and grow out of it over time. I hope so because as a guy who knows who Archie Griffin is and who Archie Griffin – what Archie Griffin <laughs> did. Yeah, that was and, um, horrible. Yeah, watching that was one of those things where you go – I didn't
0: know but, if I was going to bring that up or not.
1: If that was if that was my son, I just got to say if my if my son did that to Archie Griffin, I think I think my son would be like in a lot of trouble when he came home. That's all I can say.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I have two boys, and if they did that to Archie Griffin, I think I would just be. And it's like we overanalyze these guys, but some things reveal character. Like that should have been a slightly you knew it had to be a legend of some sort at the Big Ten championship game. You knew it was some legend, even if you didn't know who it was. You don't snatch it.
1: Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> if it was
0: a cheerleader, you should snatch it and act like you weren't there.
1: Exactly. Whoever it so, is, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, but I much less a guy. The only guy who's ever won two Heisman trophies. So I mean, that's just it, to, to me. That is a that tells you when someone says he has leadership issues, and then you see that you do connect the dots a little bit. Um, but. Does it mean that he can grow up and become a a better guy? Yeah, I think he can. And if they're saying that they think that's possible, then, then that's good. But he may need somebody who's a strong enough leader as a coach and a strong enough locker room around him that can help bring him along to show him the right way. And it can happen.
0: Speaking of leadership issues or potential leadership issues, Dak Prescott was in the news lately with a DUI. Irregardless uh, of that, and there have been Tim Tebow comparisons, unfortunately for him in college. But, um, <laughs> well, in college, he's fortunate. In the pros, is an unfortunate comparison. But what's your take on Dak Prescott? Dak Prescott.
1: Yeah, Dak Prescott to me is one of those guys that actually has developmental potential, but I think that his ceiling is probably no better than that of a of a high end backup who can come in and maybe give you a couple three games before defense really finds him out, keys on him, and and exposes him for what he can and can't do. Um, I like the arm strength in terms of you know it's good enough. Um, he's certainly a mobile guy who's strong and. He said he can break tackles and he's got enough burst to be able to, to avoid pressure and do some good work. But I think that some of the issues and he actually has some nice accuracy on plays that are, that are pro caliber. I mean, making types of back shoulder plays um, on the move, 20, 30 yards down the field when he's under, when he's under pressure. I think those are some flashes of things that make you go. There's something to work with here with this guy. And I think there really is. But I also think that some of the decisions that he makes in terms of in the pocket, if you ask him to make small move, he's either going to be a guy who can make a very small move, um, small adjustment, or he's going to have to make a major adjustment when he has to avoid pressure. And, and then he can be accurate on either of those. But if you ask him to do something that is probably more like what Tom Brady would do, Drew Brees would do, Peyton Manning would do, being able to climb, being able to slide um, away from pressure and flush and, and put two moves together to avoid a defensive end and maybe a collapsing defensive tackle and then still throw the ball, he has trouble doing those types of things. I think he has trouble moving from one progression to the next and being accurate with his feet um, so that he doesn't overthrow the ball or put the ball in bad positions. Um, but these are all things that, when at the end of the day, if you – if you sit him down and you let them sit and watch and let them work and you give them three to four years, you might have a player who ends up being um, a, a borderline starter for you. And I think that makes him worthwhile to draft. It makes him a worthwhile second, you know, second or third day guy, as long as you're not thinking that he's on a one-year development timeline.
0: Cardell Jones, the more I saw Cardell I, I the less I liked, he came on the scene uh, in the championship game and the playoff game. But just it's he's just a mess. I don't even want to be analytically. <laughs> he's just a mess. He really is. Besides the physical skills,
1: you and it's I, hard to
0: watch him. Honestly, for me, it's, it's
1: a hard it, watch. It's funny because the I'm the exact opposite on this one. I um. Oh really? Really? Yeah. The first time I watched Cardell Jones. I was cautious. I looked at those games and I thought, okay, I haven't seen too many downfield throws. Um, They look good, but again, I haven't studied them yet. I'm studying a bunch of other players. So let me just kind of hold that out. And then when I watched the the 2015 tape, obviously none of that was really all that awesome. And he didn't get a lot of it anyway. There (laughs) wasn't a lot of it in there for him to do. And he was a little banged up on top of it. So I went back and studied that 2015 tape and I was really impressed. Um, I was really impressed with his ability in the pocket to maneuver away from pressure, maintain a throwing position and deliver the ball with really great range of accuracy um, on platform, pretty good opposite hash accuracy. I would say good mobile accuracy Off-platform could be a little bit – I didn't see as many examples. He didn't really need to have to do a lot of off-platform work. I thought his mechanics were fairly sound, um, and his decision-making, while it took too many risks at certain points and there are certain things that he missed, I I have to say, if you haven't played until the final portion of 2015 and you're playing the best teams in the country – and you're playing as well as he did, like cold, coming in cold like that and doing what he did. And I'm not giving it an extra bump. Literally, I mean, I'm not I don't look at these in context and say and say, oh well, because he did it against Alabama, I'm giving him extra points here. It's 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 not. It doesn't work that way. It's just that after well, maybe you
0: supposed look- to Purdue, you know, maybe you should.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's kind of funny though because you 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 look after I look at his scores and after I look at what I graded him for in those games, and then I look at who he played and I look at the fact that I didn't have to do as much projection in terms of you know, tight coverage in terms of facing pressure, you know, doing that type of where I have to put the, the NFL template overlay over it visually to do, I came away very impressed with Cardell Jones. I think Cardell Jones can be a good pro quarterback, and I think that he can be one of the better pro, you know, when I say better pro quarterbacks, let's say he could be one of the top 10 to 15 quarterbacks as a starter in the NFL within the span of the next four to five years. Um, and I think that he's a guy that could come in this year and play and show and flash some promise and be a decent player. I think that they took Ohio state took Tom Herman's system. And I watched the 2016, um, you know, I watched the 2015 tape and I look, you know, they Ohio state, you know, Tom Herman was the head coach when Cardale Jones was there. He moved on to Houston they put, they put him in an off, you know, he was in an offense that basically they wanted to encourage more of an element that didn't match what Jones did. And I, and I, and I look at some of that stuff and I just think I'm, this is one of those cases where I'm not looking at 2015. I, I, I've, after I watched it, I was like, it's good enough. I see a lot of things that he could have done a little bit better here and there, but at the same time, they weren't anything that was so bad that it was going to, it was going to cancel out what I saw at the end of last year, and so as a result, I'm like I'm using I'm using in the last year's tape as my indicator of this is where this is the type of offense he's going to fit in, these are the types of things he can do, and this is where I'm going to project him. And in that case, I like him better than Carson Wentz and Paxton Lynch.
0: Oh wow! I'm gonna um, I'm gonna definitely go back and watch him because I think I did I, I saw so much Ohio State. If sometimes that can is that can, uh, but I'm gonna go back and watch some more. And uh, check him out because I respect your opinion, but <laughs> we have a big disagreement.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Um, let's obviously. see. And
0: that's the uh, fun. Yeah, it is. The way we see it is very interesting. This this is almost my favorite thing in sports. Is draft evaluation. I love it because you check and you're looking at rationale, and it's almost like a puzzle or something to solve. And it's it's really interesting. It, it really is yeah. how people see what you value, what you don't value what you're learning, and you know, because it's all a process of learning. But who, what's a prospect or who's a prospect we ha- haven't talked about that you think can at least
1: be a serviceable
0: backup maybe more?
1: A guy who is kind of rising and surprised me. I'm going to give you – I'll give you a few names, and I won't go too far into them. But the first guy that surprises me is Jake Rudock of Michigan. Um, you know, he was with Iowa before. Mm-hmm. He ended up getting beat out by a guy who's a little bit more of a – gunslinger type of guy who could run the ball well but he went to harbaugh's team in michigan and you see a very efficient passer who has a better arm than you expected than you would think um, it's not a great arm but it's a good enough arm he operates a pro style offense very well um, i think he's quick he's decisive he understands to go how to go from first to second reads i think he moves around reasonably well in the pocket um, trevon boykin I don't know why anybody want to make this guy a wide receiver. Javon Boykin to me is, uh, you know, I hate to make the comparison sometimes, but I would say he's in that school of of Manziel, Tyrod Taylor, Russell Wilson, in, in that mix of guys who I think can do a lot, enough with their legs to beat you with their arm. Um, he is more of a passer than he is a runner, but he certainly has that dynamic where if he, if he gets you – gets into the open field, he's going to, he's going to do a lot of damage to a defense. Um, So those are two guys right off the bat that I think that are interesting. Um, I, I would add Vernon, Vernon Adams of Oregon to that risk, list because I think he's a very smart quarterback. Um, the, the problem is, is, like Manziel, people might look at his size and conflate it with Manziel's issues um, as opposed to the skill and skill of potential there. And then the last guy I'll mention is Kevin Hogan out of Stanford is an interesting player. Um, it, In the sense that I've heard from coaches that say that his – when it comes to what he has up here about the game, it's off the charts good. Um, when it comes to his mechanics, he has a lot to work on in terms of his work and his delivery that needs to get a little bit more efficient. And if he can do that, you're, you see, a, and I've seen it on film, a very aggressive, intelligent player who plays pretty well under pressure, but he has to learn to um, really get his, get his arm and legs together in a way that's going to match his mental processing.
0: Are you comfortable? I know you had your publication coming out. uh, Are you comfortable ranking the guys or is that something you save or
1: it's something I usually save, but I can certainly, I I can certainly tell you that I'll I'll do this right away. I can give you, I'll I'll give you my, I'll give you my, um, a couple of guys. I mean, I'll tell you that Jared Goff I have is my number one and it's not even close. Um, and I, 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 I have him a good tier above, Pretty much everybody else, and he's in a tier where I would say he's he's on the same tier as as Winston Mariota last year, maybe maybe even a little higher. Um, then then I would say I have Cardale Jones second, and and I think that there's a healthy gap between golf and Jones. Um, but then there's a there's a healthy gap between Jones and the rest of the crew um, that's down here, and I'll just say that. Players between my third and third and seventh, there's not much separating them. Um, they, they have different things that they have to address, but they all have potential to develop into what I think are good starters in this league um, if given the ideal amount of time, which they probably won't be given. Um, after that, there's guys like I'll say Connor Cook. <laughs> no won't. I'll give you Connor Cook as a marker point. After that, Connor Cook is my eighth ranked quarterback and between him and my 15th ranked quarterback or my 14th ranked quarterback, there's not much separating them either. Um, And these are guys that I think with enough work might be able to start and be decent, but most likely they're going to give you that serviceable backup um, type of potential And it's a deep class in that regard, because really, if you take a look at players number four through number 19, I think there's enough players right there. That's 15 players, 15 players that I think if the NFL developed differently, this could be a really fascinating class. And so as I've joked with uh, Mark Schofield of Inside the Pylon, I've joked that if I could, you know, I feel like a mother hen of this class. Like if, you know, if we could protect these guys a little bit, (laughs) give them a little bit more time than they usually would, people go, wow, this is a good class. But in the reality of the situation is going to be is there's a cup, there's about three to four guys that really have a, are going to get their early chance in the next couple of years. And the rest, maybe one will surprise if they can emerge from the John Wayne school of swimming for boys, what otherwise known as the NFL.
0: (laughs) Matt, this has been spectacular, better than I thought it would even be, and I thought it would be great. I really appreciate your patience with the technical issues, and
1: you were great. Hey, man, it's my pleasure. This was a lot of fun, RC, and, uh, you know, hope to get on again. We, I enjoyed talking with you, and it's fun to uh, kind of hear, uh, you know, hear your take about some of these players and what your notes were. It's fascinating to – I'm usually kind of in my own cave in my own world um, doing this stuff right now, so it's fun to – to, to, to get a different point of view and see some of that stuff. So it's great.
0: All right, folks, that was Matt Wallman. We should by the end of the weekend. This is great. Until next time, RC signing off.